But if you'd like to keep that passage from Matthew 6 open, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus turns to the whole subject of prayer. Now, as I said at the beginning of the service, uh, Lent starts on Wednesday, and this Sunday in the church's year has traditionally been known as Quinquagesima, standing for 50 days uh, before Easter. You had Septuagesima, Sexagesima, and this Sunday is Quinquagesima. It always reminds me of a story, and if you've heard it before, please forgive me, of, a, of an Anglican bishop who was preaching once in India. And because it was a sort of strange country, and uh, because he was speaking in a sort of local area, he needed an interpreter to interpret him into the local dialect. And so he began his sermon with these words. The beatific familiarity of this theologically intriguing passage set for Quinquagesima should not blind us to its dominical profundity. Whereupon the interpreter turned to the congregation and said, so far, the bishop hasn't said anything worth hearing. When he does, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I suppose uh, he may have been pointing to the same sort of passage. Who knows? Because the passage has been pointed uh, for many years. But nevertheless, prayer is a vital part of Lent as we prepare for Easter. We always see Lent as a time of preparation and as a time of prayer. And it's prayer we're focusing on this morning as we think about what privileges we have as being children of God. The fact is that all people pray. Of whatever religion, wherever people are, they will always pray. When they're in need of one kind or another, people pray. It's a human instinct. Ronald Dunn in his book, Don't Just Stand There, Pray Something, said, in one way or another, to one God or another, we humans have always prayed, whether we called it that or not. We are devoured by the need of something outside of ourselves, something beyond our reach, something spiritual or supernatural, a place to run to, to feel, however slightly, that there is someone out there to cry to, someone who takes notice of our predicament. See, prayer is much more than a religious exercise. It is a human necessity. Everybody prays at times. But is that what the Bible calls prayer? Is prayer the same in every religion? Is Christian prayer the same as Muslim prayer, the same as Hindu prayer? The fact that we use the same word to describe it doesn't mean we're talking about the same thing. Well, as we've already said, we're doing a series on the fatherhood of God. Some of the privileges we have and responsibilities of being his children, being his family. And the fact is that as Christians, we have the unbelievable privilege of calling God our Father and being part of his family. It is not a privilege given to all. I've heard that there are a thousand names for God in the Hindu faith, but not one of them is Father. And yet here in the Sermon on the Mount, in just three chapters, 17 times, we are urged to think of God as our Father. It is the Christian name for God. And one of the greatest privileges of having God as our Father, of being his children, is the gift of prayer. It means that any time, anywhere, in any place, we can pray. We don't need special times of the day. We don't need special places to go to. We don't need to come to church or a temple. We don't have to go through some mediator. Whenever we want to talk to God, we can, because he's our Father, and he loves to hear us pray. And in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus introduces his disciples to that privilege. Now, all the way through the sermon, Jesus is trying to describe the sort of people he wants his followers to be. And in so doing, he draws a contrast. He draws a contrast between what his disciples should be with what the religious people of the day were. Maybe think about the Pharisees, the scribes, the law. 
And he describes some of their spirituality, the way in which they pray, how they give, how they fast. And he tells his disciples, you are not to be like that. You are to be different. You see, what was the essential fault of these religious people? The trouble was that their religion was not really anything to do with God at all. It was all about how they appeared to others. Their religion was all about pleasing or impressing people. So they did it all for show. But for Christ, true religion is of the heart. It's about pleasing God. And in this chapter, Jesus contrasts those three areas of spirituality, giving, praying, and fasting, to show that they're not about winning others' approval, but they are about how we relate to our Father. And this passage is about praying. It includes the Lord's Prayer, which I'm going to leave for one side for the moment. Uh, it's often been looked at before. I just want to concentrate on the first four verses, where Jesus lays out the principle. The principle of prayer. See, what is prayer? He says, we are not trying to twist God's arm. We're not trying to grab his attention. We're not trying to batter him into submission with many words. We are coming in prayer to a loving Heavenly Father who cares for us, who knows every detail of our lives, who wants the very, very best for us. You see, if we really believe that God loved us and cared for us and cared about every detail of our lives, it will transform our prayer. Praying is very important. It's a vital part of our Christian life and spirituality. We are all called to pray. I'm not talking primarily about praying in public services, but praying on our own, praying personally. Someone in the congregation recently was uh, talking to somebody else and saying, why don't you come along to the prayer meetings? He said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. We, we just do that on Sundays. So we come to church to pray. Well, yes, we do come to church to pray. But the point about Christian prayer is we can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything. And this is what Jesus is saying here. And as he does so, he contrasts the way his children should pray with the way in which others pray. The local religious hypocrites and the pagans. Just two things I want to point out. First of all, he says, keep it secret. Keep it secret. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. What is their reward? That other people are impressed. But when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now the religious hypocrites, the religious leaders of the day, they prayed. But look at how they prayed and why they prayed. They used to pray on the street corners. They used to pray in public. Now it may have been part of their role to pray in the synagogue, but why on the street corners? Why the street corners? Well, think about it. It's for maximum publicity. So the maximum amount of people can see you. If you pray on the street, then everyone on the street can see you. But if you pray on the street corner, well, lots of streets can see you, can't they? And when they prayed, they were doing it to get public acclaim. So the people say, look at Rabbi X. He's praying again. He's always praying. What a spiritual man he is. And that was the answer to their prayers. Other people's acclaim. But Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't do it for other people. Go into your room. Go to a quiet place. And there in secret, talk your Heavenly Father. We're to do it in secret, partly to avoid doing it for show, but also to avoid distraction. So it's just us and our Heavenly Father. Just us on our own with Him. See, that's the thing, is you never really know about somebody else's prayer life. Only God knows about that, because it's secret. I heard not long ago about a lady at our previous church who had recently died. She was a very unassuming lady who used to work on our welcome desk. So she was often the first face that people would see when they came into the church. 
She was very friendly, she was a very kind lady, but there was nothing particularly remarkable about her. Well, she died a few years ago, and uh, my vicar, who took the service, was speaking to a friend about her. And the friend said something that Richard never knew. He said, did you know that Gladys prayed every morning for four hours, from eight in the morning till 12 every day? No one else knew it, only this one friend. She certainly never broadcast it. But who knows the debt that many people owe to her for those prayers. And so Jesus says, when we pray, find somewhere quiet, so nobody knows and so nobody can interrupt. Because when we're praying, we're not doing it for show, to attract attention. We are talking to a Father who knows us, who loves us, who longs to help us, and we need to be able to concentrate on Him. Now I guess for some of us, maybe with young families, that's quite tricky to find a place on your own. I don't know if you know the story of Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She was a woman of great faith and a woman of great prayer. In fact, she was the mother of 19 children. And she was such a busy woman that she had very little time to pray, and it was very difficult to find that space. So what she used to do, she used to stick an apron over her head. And when the children saw mother's apron over her head, they knew that she was praying and was not to be disturbed. Well, I suppose you could try that. It might work. But some people have a favorite place where they pray. Some people have a favorite time that is special to them. It doesn't matter. It can be just whilst you're going for a walk, while you're walking the dog. One of the greatest Christians I've ever used to have a little phrase, talk as you walk. This is the great thing about prayer. We can pray anytime, anywhere. Apparently the early African converts to Christianity were very earnest and regular in their private devotions. And each one of them had a, a separate spot in the thicket where they would pour out their hearts to God. And over the time, the paths of these places became very well-worn because people were going back and forth through the day. And as a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. And they would kindly remind him, Brother, the grass grows on your path. And I guess if we're honest, the grass grows on quite a lot of our paths too. Well, Jesus says, keep it secret. Take time on your own and talk to your Heavenly Father. He knows what you need. He loves you and he will listen. Keep it secret. Second, keep it simple. When you pray, don't be, keep on babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, the pagans prayed endless words, on and on and on, as if the more words they prayed, the more likely God was to hear. It can be like that with chanting mantras, can't it? Some of the Hare Krishna people, again and again and again, they'd sing Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and as though the endless repetition of the same mantras over and over and over again would somehow make the prayers work. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't be like that. See, they do that because they don't know if their God is listening or if he even cares. So they go through elaborate rituals. They do various religious things. They use special words to try and make contact. And they reason the more words they use, the more chance they have of being listened to. And Jesus says, don't be like that. We know we're not coming to some disinterested deity. We're coming to a loving Father who longs for us to pray. We don't have to fight to gain his attention. He is always far more ready to listen than we are to pray. We don't need to tell him in great detail about all our concerns or our worries because he knows exactly what we need even before we ask him. So we can keep it simple. We can pray from the heart. And it doesn't sense it doesn't matter what words we use. It is our spirit in praying. See, sometimes we do worry about the words we use, don't we? We think, I, I can't pray because I don't have the right words, I don't have the right form. Well, Jesus says, it doesn't matter. 
It does not matter. As if God was in the slightest concerned with the words that we use, or how many, he's not. He's only concerned about our hearts. See, he's our father. No decent human father refuses to speak to his children because they can't find the right words. No decent human father expects us to beat on his door for hours and hours before opening it to us. Now, in case we feel unsure about what words to use or how we can pray, Jesus gives us some words to use, either as a pattern for prayer or as a prayer in itself. The Lord's Prayer is printed down there just a little bit later on. It's a model of simplicity. Anyone can understand those words. Anyone can pray them. If you don't know how to pray, why not just take the words of the Lord's Prayer line by line and pray them and think about them as you do so. The point is, says Jesus, keep it simple. Some of the most important things in the world are simple, aren't they? Somebody once remarked, the Lord's Prayer has 56 words. The Ten Commandments has 297 words. The American Declaration of Independence has 300 words. The EEC Regulations for the Importation of Caramel has 27,000 words. See, the simplest things are often the best. And when we pray, keep it simple. So that's just a challenge for us, isn't it? Do you pray? Do we pray on our own? And if not, I wonder if the reason is that we've never really grasped the wonder of being God's children, of knowing that God is our loving Heavenly Father, who loves to hear our prayers, as a good father loves to be with his children. And he knows everything that we need, so we don't have to use special words or talk endlessly. We can just go to him, pour out our hearts, and know that he will listen. Keep it secret. Keep it simple. Perhaps we need to take Jesus' advice here very seriously. Find a quiet place. Find a good time. Let him know what's on your heart. Of course, he already knows. But he wants to hear it from us anyway. And he has promised he will listen to us and he will answer us. Why don't we just pray now before we continue with our service? Let's pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. 